This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to a special Christmas morning edition of At Your Service, celebrating the reason for this season, the birth of Jesus Christ in words and music, and in the company of a special guest. We'll meet him after this. in Royal David City, sung by the choir boys. The majority of the music in today's programme is all from local choirs, and it's a mix of new and not so new. You'll hear the choir from the Cathedral in Peel in recordings made just a couple of weeks ago during their Festival of Lessons and Carols, and alongside them will be some beautiful singing that I recorded back in 2005. So if you were in the Manx Children's Choir at that time, or if you sang in the choir at Kirk Braddon, you may well hear your own voice at some point in the next hour. And why would I use these recordings? Well, I believe that no music should be played just once, then hidden away. Every so often, it needs to be enjoyed again, and the enduring quality of our locally produced music be celebrated. And that's what we're doing this morning. Now let's welcome my guest today. 
He's the author, broadcaster and recently retired Baptist minister Richard Littledale. And each Sunday during December, he joined me on At Your Service with a weekly reflection, each one based on a nativity or crib set chosen from his collection of 70, yes, 70, from all around the world. We'll be talking more about that a little later in the programme. Richard, it's great to have your company. I was seriously tempted to bill this as the Richard and Judy Christmas show. <laughs> well, happy Christmas to you. Maybe it should be the real Richard and Judy show, don't you think? I think, let's just say, you're really welcome. Well, Christmas is a time for memories, and I'm guessing that your 35 years as a church pastor has left you with plenty of stories to share. Far too many for an hour's programme, I expect, but we'll be choosing. And I doubt if that's going to be easy. Something else that seems to be woven into our Christmas celebrations are traditions, rituals, those things that we do, perhaps only tiny things, and often they even carry on from one generation to the next. But tiny as they are, without them somehow Christmas wouldn't be quite complete. Richard, have you had any of these in your family? Well, do you know there were, when I was little, we always had a brass bell on the Christmas tree, usually towards the bottom. And uh, I didn't know what it was for. Now, it turned out that the cat who was around before I was really aware of such things, called Tim, was quite a naughty cat and would usually menace the Christmas tree. So the idea of the bell was that even if you were in another room, you would be alerted to the fact that he was there and you could then come in and dissuade him. And for many, many years afterwards, long after poor old Tim was Tim R.I.P., there was the bell just to make sure. Now, you're a family man. You have three adult sons. Yeah. But looking back to their childhood, do you have little traditions that you started in your family? Yes, I, I can think of two. One of which I inherited from when I was a boy, actually. Whenever my mum would make the Christmas cake, once she'd put the icing on, we would be allowed to decorate it. And the thing I love to do, this is very silly, but the thing I love to do more than anything else was to take the plastic reindeer and to make footprints before I then settled on where he was going to stand. And then when my boys rolled enough to do it, they would take turns at doing that as well. So that was fun. I think also as a minister, obviously, I was balancing a very public life with a private one. And so what we would try to do was to keep the most part of Christmas Day for after church was done. So we would open perhaps little, little present, little stocking presents before we went out. But we would say, no, no, the rest of it we do when we come home, because this day isn't just about us. It's about something bigger. As a minister, when you are constantly looking after others, how did you find Christmas for yourself in amongst all of that? Well, do you know, I had one very special slot in the whole of that very, very busy Christmas period, and it was coming home after the midnight service. So I would finish the service, I would lock up the church door, and I would either walk or drive home through the quiet street, or mainly quiet apart from the odd drunk. Those, to me, were very special moments because I wasn't giving out to anybody else. I was just enabled to think about the story for myself, that he had come for me too. Emmanuel, God with us and God with me.
from their recent Festival of Lessons and Carols, that was the Choir of the Cathedral in Peel, with organist Stuart Corrie and musical director Dr Peter Littman. And there'll be more from the Cathedral Choir later in the programme. My guest today is recently retired Baptist minister Richard Littledale. And Richard, you hinted a few moments ago that your 35 years as a church pastor had left you with a fair few Christmas stories. Uh, There was one church where the flower team, God bless them, were absolutely marvellous and they would transform the whole of the inside of the church. But it was different every year. Every year there would be a different theme to it. Now, one year they had decided that on every window ledge and really every flat surface, they would put candles up, which would be lit for the candlelit service, which was a lovely idea. Now, behind the pulpit where I was standing, there was a very tall screen behind which then stood the organ. And I rather suspect that there was a draught coming down through the organ pipes. So whilst I was preaching, my family were tittering behind their hands because unbeknown to me, the uh, candle behind me had set light to the foliage all around it and pieces of burning holly were wafting down behind me as I preached. And I just carried on regardless because I had no idea this was going on. But, you know, you look back on these things and you think, well, they're all part of the job. You look back with a certain amount of affection. Yes. Yes. This, your first Christmas in retirement, are you missing the structure or are you enjoying the freedom? In an irritatingly political answer, it's actually a bit of both. I'm really looking forward to going and sampling a Christmas day that somebody else has prepared but equally I have found that during the season of Advent my preparation reflex still kicks in so I'll hear a news story and I'll think oh I could use that at the carol service or I'll see something in a newspaper and think now that would be just right for Christmas morning. Has that ever got you into deep water? (laughs) Oh you know me so well yes I'm afraid it has. So when I moved to the last church of which I was a pastor It was new and I was looking for new things to capture the story of people. And a friend of mine who was working in Yorkshire at the time wrote to me in about October or November and said, oh, Richard, this is just your kind of thing. I've got this great idea for Christingle. Basically involved taking not iron filings, but iron dust and sprinkling it in a candle flame. So the idea was I would talk about this being something very, very ordinary, dust, But if you sprinkle it in the candle flame, something magical happens. And you know it does. If you sprinkle it in the flame of the candle, it sputters and sparkles like a sparkler. That was the idea. That's what I did. Everybody loved it. Afterwards, a little boy, who I think was age six at the time, came up to me and with that very solemn expression of which children are capable, said, Richard. Did you practice that at home so you wouldn't burn the church down? (laughs) And I had to confess that, yes, indeed, I had practiced it at home and didn't burn the church down. So that's a plus. Whilst you have retired as a Baptist minister, it's not by any means because you don't want to work. It is because you want to devote more time to your passion for the good use of words. And you are a published author. You're a regular contributor to BBC Radio 2 and Radio 4, Thought for the Day. So it's to give more time to this. It it is. And of course, that same reflex kicks in there. You know, you you learn from life so that you can articulate life. And I'm a, I'm a great listener to stories, a great picker-upper of anecdotes. And, you know, I will see things and somewhere or other they get lodged in the back of my mind and they come out on a radio show like this one or they come out in a book. Let's listen now to some more music, this time from the Manx Children's Choir, a recording I made at Christmas in 2005 with Mrs Adele Parsons as musical director and accompanist Mrs Jennifer Bird.
The Angels' Carol, sung there by the Manx Children's Choir, a recording that I made in 2005. This morning, with help from my guest, Richard Littledale, we're celebrating the reason for this season. A baby born into poverty in an obscure village who changed the world. A baby who was both fully human and fully God who opened up for everyone the way to an everlasting life, who came to teach us how to love, how to be truly happy, and how to hold on to hope even in the hardest times. This is how the Bible records the birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus.
and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The Sussex Carol. More music from the choir of the Cathedral in Peel. And before that, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Another recording made in 2005. The choir of Kirk Braddon, conducted and accompanied by Graham Kirkland. Richard, is it a challenge to present a 2,000-year-old story in a way that speaks to people today? Oh, it's an enormous challenge. And it's one that I relish because I love doing that kind of thing. But it is a challenge. And all through my 35 years as a minister, I was forever thinking, probably from about middle of October onwards, how am I going to tell the same story again, but in a way that catches the eye or fires the imagination? Now, there was something that I had been waiting to do for years and years, which I then did when I arrived in Teddington Baptist Church in 1997, which was to write a nativity play entirely acted by adults. Because, you know, we, we talk about it as a rather cute story. It's a slightly terrifying story. You know, Mary is this young woman, probably in her teens, told that she was going to be the mother to, to the Messiah, Joseph having to cope with that. You know, there's a lot in that story which is profoundly challenging in an adult sense. So I wrote this nativity play enacted by adults talking about some of their reactions to the story. And it was tremendously powerful. You know, when it came to the night when it was actually enacted, we had, for instance, one of the wise men was a local bank manager who was kneeling on the floor at the side of the crib as he presented his gift. And it suddenly reminds you that this is an enormously potent adult story, not just a story for the children. Did the people involved in it talk to you afterwards about how it made them feel? That's a very interesting question because... No. What you had was what you sometimes get with children at a Christingle or a carol service, which is candlelit, where they suddenly go quiet and solemn. They realise that this is something greater than themselves. 
So no, they didn't really talk to me about it because I think they had found the experience almost too profound for words. Kirk Braddon Choir once again with a 2005 recording of The Holly and the Ivy. Happy Christmas, we say, and we mean it. We want those around us to have an enjoyable time. But what if that simply isn't possible? Richard, you know, sadly, from first-hand experience, the pain rather than the pleasure that can come with this time of year. Yes, and it's a real clash, isn't it? Uh, time for a little bit of confession. I'm a complete addict of Christmas films, and the more schmaltzy they are, the better. Uh, but these days, I nearly always cry before they end. And the reason I do that is because they always work out happily ever after, and my Christmases haven't. You know, in 2017, in early November, I lost my wife to cancer at the age of 53. And that Christmas was extremely hard. And now I think I'm more sensitised to others who find it extremely hard. A friend of mine used to run a special service on about the 20th of December called Blue Christmas. And it was specifically for those who did not feel like being jolly and did not feel like joining in the celebrations, but still believed the story to be important. 
And I think we just have to allow space for that. And to anyone listening right now who is rather dreading the rest of this Christmas day, you don't have to be jolly. You don't have to be celebrating if you don't feel like it. The story's still true, and God still loves you, and Jesus still came to be Emmanuel, God with us. But if your heart can't leap at that today, well, maybe it will tomorrow. Manx Concert Brass under the direction of Ian Clegg and a very sensitive playing of John Rutter's Candlelight Carol. Richard, you were talking a few moments ago about not being able to feel the joy of Christmas if your heart has been broken by the loss of your soulmate, in your case, your wife Fiona. But comfort can come in the most unexpected ways, can't it? 
can't it just now that year obviously I took bereavement leave and the first time I ever for want of a better word darkened the doors of church was a children's afternoon service I thought that won't be too hard I'll go and do that so it was an advent service and they were making a little piece of craft which was a bracelet with a colour for every character in the story there was white for an angel and yellow for a shepherd and blue for Mary the idea was they would take these little bracelets home and they would talk about the story round the dinner table well a little boy came and sat cross-legged on the floor next to me he handed me his bracelet and he said I made this for you because you haven't got Fiona anymore because she's gone to heaven I now have that framed in my house alongside a card that says one life lived many lives touched and every time I see the two of those together I thank God that a six-year-old spoke the truth of God to me on that occasion the little boy's name was Gabriel God's messenger He was, on that occasion, without a doubt. Carol of the Children, sung very appropriately by the Manx Children's Choir, another recording from 2005. Richard, we've mentioned that you're an author, but we've not said a lot about your books. But there is one that we must mention because it's specifically for this time of year. 37 Kings and a Budgerigar is a book of reflections inspired by your collection of nativity sets from around the world. In your book, you say, 
putting out a crib set is one of our treasured Christmas traditions. And then you ask the question, what do these scenes really tell us about the original nativity story? You also say that you've now got 70 crib sets in your collection. 70! I'm afraid, and counting, and counting. Because I guess as soon as people know that you love these traditional crib sets, they'll be wanting to bring you more and more of them. People will either come home from their travels and bring me on, or they'll say, oh, the charity shop down the road has got one in the window, and I hurry down there before somebody else spots it. So that's how the collection has grown, really. And now probably I buy perhaps two a year. This year I bought one which is inside a coffee You can only see it using a magnifying glass and one which is a book fold where somebody has beautifully folded the nativity scene in the pages of a book. What is it do you think that inspires the artist? It's almost as if it's a universal story, although it's a story set in a very particular geographical and historical context. So what that then causes is people to say, how can I translate this into my setting. So some of my most interesting and colourful sets have come from countries to which the gospel was taken by missionaries who then encouraged people in those countries to depict the story as they would have seen it. Perhaps my most colourful one of all is from Peru where it shows a young Peruvian couple in traditional Peruvian dress with the baby who also wears a Peruvian headdress and gathered in front are two llamas. So you've got that contextualisation, I suppose. I have a set from India where there's a bright blue cow who appears to be wearing lipstick, but that's another story. But every character has a bindi on their forehead. Although this is a depiction of the Christian nativity, you've got that cultural reference there as well. And then I have some which are made by the Zionist church of Zululand. Now, the people who made these little characters of Mary and Joseph and the baby used to make pagan fertility dolls. And you know what? They're using the same skills, the same beautiful beadwork, the same style of dress. It's just they're now telling a different story. I wonder if I can tell you the story of an artist that I met in Pokhara in Nepal. His name was Binod and he was a third generation tanker painter. Now, a tanker is a circular painting of the Buddhist cycle of life, reincarnation. This man came to faith as a Christian and uh, was very sad because he said, well, I'll have to stop doing my painting now. It was his fellow Buddhists who said, no, 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 don't stop. Paint the Christian story instead. So I have a painting by Binod on my wall where he has painted the Christian story in exactly the same style, but it's the story of Christ right from the, the stable through to his resurrection. Our next carol, the Coventry Carol, is sung in Manx by the choir Cleogory Tui, directed by Claire Kilgallen. And following your recent move to Wales, you're getting to grips with another Celtic language, aren't you, Richard? Well, let me say, first of all, Nadoli Llawen, because otherwise I'll forget what it is, which is Happy Christmas. Uh, yeah, and the reason I'm learning Welsh is not because I have to but it seems to me to be courteous when you live in a place to make the effort to speak the language of those around about you and this story we're dwelling on today is exactly that it's God saying let me speak their language Reverend Dr Billy Graham used to tell a story about how when he was a little boy he kicked over a termite hill and was very upset to see the termites running about And uh, he said to his father, if only I could become one, I could go and tell them I was sorry. That's the incarnation right there. That's speaking the language. It does matter. It really does matter. And to have a Manx carol today is utterly appropriate.
Cleogory Tui and the Coventry Carol. The poet John Betjeman had a great affection for the Isle of Man, and one of his best-known poems skillfully blends the worldly and the spiritual sides of Christmas. Here's Anne Clark to read it for us now. Christmas by John Betjeman The bells of waiting advent ring, the tortoise stove is lit again, and lamp oil light across the night has caught the streaks of winter rain in many a stained-glass window sheen, from crimson lake to hooker's green. The holly in the windy hedge, and round the manor house the yew, will soon be stripped to deck the ledge, the altar, font, and arch, and pew, so that the villagers can say, the church looks nice on Christmas Day. Provincial public houses blaze, and corporation tramcars clang, on lighted tenements I gaze, where paper decorations hang, and bunting in the red town hall says, Merry Christmas to you all. And London shops on Christmas Eve are strung with silver bells and flowers, as hurrying clerks the city leave to pigeon-haunted classic towers, and marble clouds go scudding by the many-steepled London sky. And girls in slacks remember Dad, and oafish louts remember Mum, and sleepless children's hearts are glad, and Christmas morning bells say, Come, even to shining ones who dwell safe in the Dorchester Hotel. And is it true, and is it true, this most tremendous tale of all, seen in a stained-glass window's hue, a baby in an ox's stall? the maker of the stars and sea, become a child on earth for me? And is it true? For if it is, no loving fingers tying strings around those tissued fripperies, the sweet and silly Christmas things, bath salts and inexpensive scent and hideous tie so kindly meant. No love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air, nor all the steeple-shaking bells can with this single truth compare, that God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. young people of Castle Russian High School singing there, a recording I made at their carol concert in 2006. And no selection of carols would be complete without young voices singing Away in a Manger. This recording was made about four years ago and features singers and musicians from the Dune School.
almost all we have time for today. We're finishing with a familiar tune, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. But I only recently found out that it's one of the oldest carols ever written, dating back to the 16th century, when it was sung on the streets of London to lift people's spirits and encourage them during tough times. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born into poverty on the dirt floor of a stable and laid in an animal's feeding trough, says to each of us today, I came here for you. Trust me, and from now, you will never be truly alone. And I'd like to pray a blessing for you. Dear God, we ask you to bless every home in which this programme has been heard. In amongst the tinsel and the sprouts and the half-open presents and the things that have been forgotten and the things that have been treasured, in the midst of all that, bring your presence, Emmanuel. God with us, we pray. Amen. Thank you to my special guest, Richard Littledale, and my thanks to you for your company. There'll be another At Your Service special programme next Sunday morning, New Year's Day at nine o'clock, when I'll be taking another listen to some of the great guests who came along to chat with us on this programme over the past year. And just a little reminder that this and every edition of At Your Service is available as a podcast to listen at your leisure or recommend to a friend. It's under the podcast tab on the homepage of our website, manxradio.com. I'll be here again tonight at 10 and I'd love you to join me to share a relaxing end to our Christmas day together in our virtual late lounge. But now, as we approach 10 o'clock, it's time for Christmas with the Quines. Simon and Kim here for the next couple of hours with a mix of great music and good company for your Christmas morning. So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith wishing you a very happy Christmas. Nolik Genel and a very good morning. Good morning.